0: Happy Monday and welcome to episode 36, season 2 of Your Soulful Goddess, formerly known as You Uplifted Beautiful Soul. Your Soulful Goddess is the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true potential and power. And as always, my name is Safa and I am your host. I am an intuitive life coach and I've got a... Powerful interview in store for you today with the one and only Luis Mojica. Luis and I had a chance to talk all things somatic. And frankly, we got wrapped up in talking so much that we almost went over time on his schedule. But he also gracefully stuck around just a little bit longer to give the Patreon supporters a extra goodie. So be looking for that soon. And if you haven't signed up to be a Patreon, you can always do that by going to patreon.com forward slash your soulful goddess all right then a little bit about my guest Luis Mojica is a somatic therapist, musician, holistic nutritionist, and herbalist. He teaches people how to release stress, illness, and trauma by listening to their bodies. His unique form of healing comes from his own unique experience in suffering. His journey of pain, trauma, and illness led him to this work and saved his life. Now he has the honor and privilege of teaching it to anyone who needs it. Luis has several courses that you can join him on on his website, which is holisticlifenavigation.com. So definitely check those out. And here is the one and only Luis Mojica. Well, Luis, it is such a joy to have you joining the show today.
1: Thank you for having me, Safa.
0: Louise, I'm so, so excited to get into all of the topics. Somatic healing is something that has been very much a part of my life in one way or another from the day that I first rolled out my yoga mat. But before mm. we get very deep into that, could you please share a little bit about your wonderful story with the listeners and just give them an idea of what you do?
1: Yes. So when you say my story, like my life story? Or my yeah. professional story.
0: You could do a mix of both. I mean, I've listened to your podcast, so I'm a little bit more familiar with that side of it. And I love it. Uh, whatever oh, you think is most, you know, better suited, I guess, to the yeah. conversation. Yeah.
1: Um, I'll do the short version. And then if, if we want to get into it more, we definitely can.
0: Perfect.
1: So, um, you know, my somatic journey really, really started at birth. Um, I was born with a hormonal condition. And what that meant was my body would create excess female hormones until probably age 14 or 15. So I spent the first 14 years of my life hormonally like a woman. Um, I grew breasts, I grew hips. I was super sensitive. I couldn't create muscle mass. um, I was very emotional, very introverted. Um, But exterior, my body was male. And so, you know, of course, besides my, my breasts and my hips. So I was born into this androgynous body. And this was in the 80s. This was way before any kind of um, androgyny or intersex awareness or transgender. Anything was really like globally, or I should say nationally acceptable or even spoken about. So there wasn't really a compass for it. And I grew up in a town that... Um, you know, is in the South and very, um, very, we'll just say, we'll say afraid of the unknown, you know, Mm -hmm. people very afraid of what they don't understand. And so it was a very difficult childhood. Um, I had an amazing mother that really got me through it. And an amazing um, cousin who was just like my sister. So I really leaned on those two, to um, create some safety and give me a lot of support. Um, but besides that, it was it was pretty brutal. Um, I was constantly, you know, brutally bullied. Um, I experienced sexual assault. I experienced um, just absolute hatred because of how my body was mm-hmm. and the sensitivity from which I moved from, you know, uh, partially because of the hormones, but also just because of who I am. Um, and so I didn't really know where to fit in and what I did was, I, I know this now looking back, I just started to disembody at a really early age, just slowly pull myself away from my body so I didn't have to really feel my body because my body had become such a source of of pain and fear. Um, you know, it was by the age 12, I was, you know, molested, sexually assaulted, bullied. I, I had this, um, Physical experience of my body is in a safe place. So, all Mm -hmm. I did was hide it. I wore layers and layers of clothing. I would bind my breasts. I would um, essentially mute myself as much as possible. And I spiraled into a very, very deep depression. I became suicidal. Um, I used food to help myself feel safe. So, I started overeating. I had high cholesterol. I gained 60 pounds, uh, debilitating asthma. I started getting really sick. And it all hit a peak around 15. And then I I discovered I could make music. And I started writing and singing music uh, very privately. I wasn't public with it. It was kind of like my little secret. And as I was making the music, I was finding that I was able to step out of the identity that I was kind of living with that was really killing me about the shame of myself Mm -hmm. and being like a monster and all these these horrible things that I internalized. music gave me a way to step back and as i stepped back from that my body started settling and for the first time in my life i started feeling really safe in my body i felt like um i could make a home here and this kind of i don't know breakthrough if you want to call it happened where i i understood i just understood so much it's like before i knew the word trauma I finally understood trauma through like a feeling sense. Mm-hmm. And it was very 360. It was very holistic. It was like, I understood my trauma and how I was holding it and what I was thinking about myself. And I also understood that the way I was brutalized by other boys, I understood that was part of their trauma. So there was this moment where I just kind of like landed in this uh, space of compassion for everybody, even people who were, you know, assaulting me. Mm-hmm. Um and and everything changed from there. I, I discovered um, herbs, I discovered whole foods, I started a vegan diet, I um, began listening to my body. And that journey would take me to, um, when I was 22, I got top surgery, and then I continued, continued, continued. And then around age 26, I met a somatic therapist. And when I was in session with her, I noticed that my shoulders, were still hunching to hide at that time non-existent breasts. Mm. So my body was still stuck in this belief that there was something on me that would be seen and I would be hurt if anyone saw it. And it was so profound to me that I could literally cut a part of myself off that I was ashamed of and still not feel safe. Mm -hmm. And that was like the big, that was like the cherry on top, you know, that really told me this is, there's something deeper here. It's not the events that happened, but how your body is still holding those events. And that propelled me into um, studying and becoming a somatic therapist. And now I do that work.
0: Wow. There is so much that I want to dive into little by little about that, but first I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for sharing that. And it's Mm -hmm. such an important tool as a healer. So I appreciate that very much because from that space of learning that can be very often seen as maybe breaking or just what is it that they say that the space where uh, the light enters you, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just so important. So I appreciate that. One of the things that you just said that really struck me was this sort of shock or this really vivid realization that just because you had caught off this part of you that you were so, you know, that you had that feeling of insecurity about and that you felt so unsafe about, just because that was gone didn't mean that the trauma or the information or the vibration or the frequency of that was gone from you. And the reason why that strikes me is because in the process of healing, I think a lot of times we get very caught up in the idea that there is this one thing oh if I could Mm. just x y and z then everything else is going to be perfect forever and ever and we keep sort of prioritizing something that is in essence very much external even when it is a part of us or even when it is a mental situation or when it's embodied in the body in a different way but we keep sort of externalizing that and going oh well yeah as soon as I fix this and as soon as I put a band-aid over this or as soon as I kind of get over that once I can let it go once I can shift it once I get whatever, then I'll be so much better. But the truth of really needing the healing process to take us to the core of what is really there, and how it is showing up, in other words, just because this was something that you had very much felt unsafe by didn't mean that that particular thing was where the trauma was stemming, and that that was where you needed to heal. Does that make sense? Oh, gosh,
1: yes. Uh, that was what you're speaking to that that was the foundation of what i do now like that experience and that moment of noticing oh my goodness it's been four years since i had the surgery um i had small breasts so just to give you like a visual once i had top surgery you really couldn't tell you know unless mm-hmm. you looked really close you can't see the scars they're very well concealed no one would really know. Um, maybe unless they saw my hips and they like, they're from that world of androgyny, yeah. but no one would know, you know, I was like modeling and everything I was like passing. So no one would even think. And that's what was so profound to me is, okay, my body has gotten rid of this thing that my mind has been saying since I was 10, when they started forming, mm-hmm. this is the reason why life is hard. This mm-hmm. is the reason people hate you. This is the reason you hate yourself. And what you're saying is, is, you know, it's conditional healing, just like conditional love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once this thing happens, that's when I'll be okay. And I believed that with every fiber of my being. And then I actually believed I was okay afterwards. Mm-hmm. But there were still all these unconscious defense mechanisms and physical gestures and um, even addictions that were still playing out because my body was still holding it. So it helped me understand, you know, we have that metaphor, like you can't cut a part of yourself out. And for me, I literally cut a part of myself off right. and still had no peace. And that's when I realized this is deeper. And, and I learned it's on the somatic level. So it's what the body holds. And it's also the internalized identity of the mind. So I had to work with both to fully heal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just huge to me because, and I've said this on the show before, so if it feels a little repetitive to the listeners, I'm sorry, but it's coming up for a reason. It's there because it's important information to all of us, and it's kind of something we need to get stronger at, but we we just are in this constant process of flowing back into that essence of the true feminine where things just flux and they Mm. move and they shift and that makes all the difference because when we allow ourselves to rest in that we then can shift a lot more powerfully than if we were trying to clasp onto something or hang on to something very deeply and almost aggressively so I just And it speaks to me on another level too in sense of, and this is where we can get a bit more into the somatic world. And I will also in a second ask you to give us a bit maybe of a definition for that word Mm -hmm. because maybe people are listening and they're like, what in the world? But um, where we really are not separate little things. Like we're not, oh, my body and my mind and my soul, right? Mm -hmm. We are everything, all in this present moment being embodied in a unique way and so all of us is experiencing the life that we are experiencing And taking all of that information in and when it comes to the body, there are things that can get jammed, so to speak, or that we can accidentally sort of throw under the rug. That's the thing that I I like to say a lot, that it's almost like picking up a rug and shaking off the dust from underneath or taking the cobwebs Mm -hmm. out because the truth is that they're there. It's just we've sort of hidden them underneath the rug. Spot on
1: spot on and that's that's the difference between somatic work and psychotherapy which Mm -hmm. you know you you suggested i clarify so Mm -hmm. somatic work is exactly what you just said everything we experience like even if we all meditate for a minute or or contemplate or experience that word experience like what does that mean you know as we sit here and we look around the room we're in and we feel our breath coming through our nose or our mouth and we feel our our chest expand how do we experience this earth we we experience it through sensation you know like mind sees it but body feels it Mm. so everything that we come in contact with just like you were saying like the dust it hits the body and the body either knows like that that primitive, ancestral, feminine, earthly flow where the dust hits and it moves and it goes, or the dust hits you and we get rigid around the dust. Mm -hmm. So those of us that are traumatized, all that really means is the nervous system is storing overwhelming events and anticipating that they're going to happen again. So your physical body is literally sandwiched in between a threatening past and a threatening future. And you're feeling it all as if it's happening now,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? And so what that looks like is high blood pressure, uh, clenching, shallow breathing, migraines, inflammation, stomach situations, addiction, all of this stems from that charge of stress and trauma and adrenaline getting stuck in the body. And in psychotherapy, which is what I was originally uh, majoring in. It's it's all, and it's a beautiful practice. I don't put it down. I have incredible friends who are psychotherapists. Right, um, yeah, me too. And for me, it didn't work as the, as the practitioner because I didn't want to spend my time trying to attach an identity to people's experiences. I was much more interested in helping them feel how they were holding the experience yeah. and without identity, letting it move through them. And so, when it comes to trauma, trauma doesn't leave through more identity. It actually leaves by losing identity, which means coming back to the body. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like furiously making notes because I have so many, <laughs> so many little things that I want to touch on. But the first is, I mean, just wow. And that, again, is something that I do share, not just on the podcast, but with my clients one-on-one a lot, is that just because you are feeling or experiencing, whether it's a thought, an emotion, a heightened moment, contrast, however you want to name it or call it or experience it, as you said, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you are that.
1: Mm, That's right.
0: And just the awareness of that can change so much. It really does it it makes everything so much easier. And I don't mean that in a way that, oh, it's not going to be difficult. I just mean that, and it just flows very naturally. And so that's that's one of the first things that came to mind as you were saying that. And then also, i I love I have to marvel at the fact that this sensitivity, that growing up had become sort of a bit of your ouch point, like a bit of a Mm. why, why am I like this, right? Is Mm -hmm. also a lot of the reason why you're, in my opinion, and if I'm wrong, you you can correct me, but why you're so able to flow into these spaces and say, now I can perceive this and I can Mm -hmm. see this and I can feel the shift and I can share this with you from this point and understand it as is a strength Versus a something that you are lacking in.
1: Mm-hmm. 100%. And you know, if I could respond to that first point you made. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, it was important and, and profound because that's, that's how I feel the differences between somatic therapy and psychotherapy is this event that occurred is not who you are. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I so I had blocked out all of my sexual assault and the bullying and and the molestation and all these things that were really horrible, I just completely forgot they happened.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I was like 24, they all came flooding back. Um, I was actually getting a dental surgery, and the physical pain in my body brought me back to a memory, and. And it all flooded in, like, I mean, in an hour, it was very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I immediately sought, you know, therapy. And I spent two years before finding a somatic therapist, going from psychotherapist to psychotherapist, Mm -hmm. because the identity of being um, a sexual assault survivor was so limiting for me. Um, Yeah. And I don't take that from anyone who finds power in it. Cause the first time I heard it, I was like, yes, finally, like someone gets it, you know, mm-hmm. there was this validation. And I suddenly belonged to this uh, tribe of people who had experienced it too. So it felt very, it felt, I felt very seen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: However, yeah. my body was so attached to that, that it was still experiencing in the body, those assaults and the aftermath. And the moment I did the somatic work and I was able to let go of the, the identity based on the event, I was able to let go of the physical event in my body. Yeah. And so I just wanted to share that personally. I I experienced exactly what you were talking about.
0: That's, it's so powerful. And I mean. Personally, from a much smaller point of view, have experienced something very similar on the yoga mat, you know, where mm. literally in Pigeon, all of a sudden there was like an uncontrollable, like just ugly cry coming out. Yes. <laughs> yes so, yes. and that's what really, really caught my attention is that I knew there was like an inner knowing, like Mm -hmm. a true point of connection from self into the body that wasn't completely disembodied. And this was the other thing I was going to ask you a little bit about because you used that word at the beginning of the show Mm -hmm. in terms of how you were existing and moving in this world because of the trauma and the traumatizing that went on. So, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of us do go to that place, we desensitize, we disembody, and we separate as a way of protecting ourselves. I think it's a very deeply ingrained defense mechanism, but I guess my curiosity there is two twofold, really would be one, were you aware of that disembodiment as it was showing up for you? because I know that personally I was not. And then also, how were you able to move through that in the sense of somatic healing in terms of I know that somatic healing is way different than, like you said, psychotherapy. So it's not as if someone's going to sit there with pen and paper and just talk it out with you, but you're going to be able to sense it and feel it and be in that moment with it again.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly. So everything you're saying you know, is uh, very reflective in my experience. Um, yes, I had no clue I was disembodied. I, I wouldn't even know that was an option because I lived it. So I didn't have, I I. you know, the first um, molestation occurred when I was five. And before that, I was abused in a daycare when I was two and three. So the body already didn't really have a lot of conscious memory. Of what it felt like to feel safe Mm -hmm. besides you know again my beautifully nurturing relationship with my mother there was like that touchdown but that physical clenching and disembodiment was just my way right and so I only discovered when I started the somatic work what it meant to be disembodied and the way I would say that is and this answers the question as well, as how do you work with that in somatic versus psychotherapy or even or counseling or coaching, is when, when we're disembodied, like you said, it is a defense mechanism because the body doesn't have the capacity to actually experience sensation. And I call it sensation because that umbrella term encompasses both pain and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And this is why people say things like, I always self-sabotage when something good happens. Mm. I don't even let them identify with self-sabotage because to the body, it's making a smart decision. It's saying sensation equals threat. Mm. I'm not going to go near any sensation. So we live our lives in a way that keeps us very neutral. And I should say more like depressed, not neutral, Mm -hmm. but not having sensation, right? Or we spend our life eating or addicting or spending time with people or behaving in certain ways that also numb that sensation Mm -hmm. so in systematic therapy the whole piece of work is very similar to if you're working with a yoga instructor or you're working with a physical fitness instructor and they're teaching you how to build capacity and so like you go to a gym you learn how to build capacity for your muscles You go to a yoga instructor, you learn how to build capacity to be flexible in your spine. Somatic therapy teaches you how to build capacity in your nervous system. So your nerves, when they experience sensation, again, good or bad sensation, they don't clench and constrict and fire, but they open and -hmm. expand. And that expands the tissues and the muscles, the skin, the hair, the physical biology actually shifts within seconds. And in that moment, your consciousness, like whatever we call our soul or our spirit or the eye, that the witnesser,
0: mm-hmm.
1: actually gets to sit in the body then, which is what I call embodied. You're able to sit in your body and experience life without feeling threatened.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I call that presence. But absolutely, exactly, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes such a big difference too, because one of the other things that you had said at the beginning, which resonates for me on so many different levels, um, just in terms of having growing up and having almost a very, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, contentious relationship with your own body to where Mm -hmm. it's not only the sense of not feeling safe, but almost the sense of like, oh, my body betrays me at every turn. Mm you know, and that the was a change. big one. The yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've been there too.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: same from physical abuse when I was younger and other stories and just a bunch of other stuff. So same. I always felt even little things, you know, like mm-hmm. recently just learning how to run and suddenly my body shutting down, you know, it still mm-hmm. feels there's mm-hmm. things that come up and they come up for a reason, but they feel like a betrayal by the body. And since this is sort of like our house, it feels mm-hmm. super, super painful and how we can shift that and instead become almost friends with our bodies Is that's the word that kept coming up as you were talking
1: i'm just taking a breath because i feel that that's so beautifully put um that that's exactly you know the the betrayal piece the betrayal piece was more painful than anything anyone physically or verbally did to me mm-hmm. Because it was a pain that was with me second by second by second. Yeah. And it was a constant self-loathing and a constant comparison to other men and a constant, um, a constant reminder to my mind at the time, like, you really are broken and you're never going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so that, that betrayal piece is huge. And it, it's one reason why so many women work with me. And transgendered people and other intersex people because um, it's a very, very, uh, what's the word, unique experience for a man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen too often with men. Um, not that men don't like their bo- have problems with their bodies. They definitely do. But that piece of like something's happening and I have no control over it. Yeah. It's something women are initiated in like on a monthly cycle. There's this like you have to surrender to what's happening to your body. Mm-hmm. And so I I thank that early piece of surrender to where I had to surrender to it, but I hated it, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I went into the somatic work, I was able to invoke what was already still there, that resistance to what my body was and learn how to feel it and be in it and experience it and have that surrender. And from there came that self-trust and that friendship with my body. And that's when I started publicly speaking about what I went through, Mm -hmm. which I had never intended to do. You know, to me, the surgery was like what you said, I swept it under the rug, gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to show my body that I loved it and I wasn't going to be conditional, I didn't just want to appear like I was this, like, you know, cis man that had everything down. I wanted to tell people how how I got here so my body could be heard and still feel safe.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm also taking some time to process that yeah it's Mm -hmm. it's powerful stuff because you're right and to me you know I I don't like the idea of necessarily saying male and female are separate or they're kind of like against each other even in terms of a lot of times when I talk about the divine feminine I it depends on who I'm talking to, but I can feel a bit of resistance in terms of, oh, but that is exclusionary because it's binary. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, wait a second. That is just the nature of things. I'm not saying Agreed. one's better than the other. They're just mm-hmm. existing, you know? Yep. So I think it's funny that you say that because in that sense, and this is one of the first things that was asked of me when I started my own practice and when I started working with women specifically, was mm-hmm. I will never forget one of my uh, my brothers whom I adore, was like, well, wait a second, why are you working only with women? Aren't you narrowing yourself too much? Why don't you open it up for men? And I was like, well, well, okay, well, that's because <laughs> I'm coming from a place of understanding that for us, those mother wounds and those mm-hmm. ancestral wounds and those divine feminine wounds are a lot more easily reachable, kind of like you were saying, it's not as if they're not there in men, they are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But even if I just identified or if I transitioned, I'm going to have a bit of a closer relation to it just by virtue Mm -hmm. of being deeper, more deeply connected into that energy, if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense.
1: It makes perfect sense. And I can, I can attest to that just from my biological experience. Cause um, like you said, the divine feminine or the divine masculine, those are just ways to speak about how energy moves, essentially like ways of being, they're not Mm -hmm. gender based. They're just like ways something moves. Right. Mm -hmm. And biologically speaking in the body so sex not gender you know when you have um the chemistry of of a male or the chemistry of a female biologically there is a different movement that that expresses through that physical form because of those hormones mm-hmm. and i see this with my transgender friends and clients that when they start taking the opposite hormone things shift emotionally physically mentally spiritually So, the hormones are these incredible catalysts, you know, for our spirits. And when I was deep in the estrogen production, when I made more estrogen, I was so internal and deep and couldn't escape from my feelings or emotions. Mm -hmm. And then when my testosterone started flooding in when I was 15 or 16, then I started like getting away from that. And so I find that it is harder, hormonally speaking, when I work with men, for them to let themselves go into that internal kind of gooey place. Once they get there, they're awesome mm-hmm. but it's like getting there is a little more challenging than it is for women biological uh, again biological women
0: yeah which i think is actually really kind of beautiful when you think about it because it does honor those spaces and it gives chance mm. for it, it gives chance for understanding growth and also fluidity between the spaces, you know, like Mm -hmm. if I lean more to one side, I can also learn how to lean into my masculine, divine masculine strength in this way and honor Mm -hmm. it that way. And so the more that we learn about these energies, the more deeply we can honor and become devoted to ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that, Lise, I also have in the past heard you make a distinction between sort of trauma and traumatized slash dramatizing. Mm-hmm. Would love it if you could talk a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. So, um, so when we think of trauma, we often think of the event. So let's just make it a simple one, so no one gets triggered. Like, say someone knocks on the door really loud. Like you're reading a book and you're resting. And someone knocks on the door, mm-hmm. and your body jumps. So when your body jumps, that's your body having a threat response. Trauma is your body's response to an event that seems threatening or an event that's overwhelming mm-hmm. or an event with so much stress too quick, too, too much too quick is the way a lot of the, uh, somatic therapists say it, that just overwhelms the nervous system. So the trauma, the word trauma itself is actually how the body reacts to the event. And traumatized is when that reaction gets stuck in the body so that that threat response, fight, flight, freeze, or fall on, those are the four trauma responses, one or two or three or all of them get turned on and we just kind of exist and or develop in that state. That's when you're traumatized. that makes sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And I think it's, uh, to me, it's actually an important distinction because it almost circles back to what we, what we were saying earlier about not being the thing, you know, Mm. not making that your identity. And it gives you a a moment to pause and breathe and realize also that just because this has presented itself, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to store it in your body Mm. forever. Not that that is constantly like a conscious decision we make mostly we make Uh these decisions unconsciously and they also stem from something that i call story Uh you know so (laughs) it makes but it makes sense and it frees up a bit more space in my opinion in terms of of healing that and moving it and where i also think one of the reasons why as we said earlier it shows up in when we get in touch with our physical bodies because it's stored there so If that particular, and maybe we can touch a little bit deeper on this too, because it's one of my favorite topics, but if that particular experience has settled, like that proverbial dust in, let's say, your hips, which is where mine carry the most amount of information, Mm -hmm. then you move and you do all of this stuff to get deeper in there. And the second you lift that rug, all of that comes back up, and you've got this chance to really heal it or to stuff it back down.
1: Mm -hmm. And when you say, you know, when you say really heal it, what that means to me is, do you have the capacity to let it do what it wants? Because Mm -hmm. when, when we have these, um, unconscious defense mechanisms against the charge. So when you said the information stored in your hips, I call that the charge. So if anyone's listening and you notice your body, like where do you tend to carry tension? Where do you tend to store stress? Where do you have a lot of inflammation? That's your charge. So that's that original charge that came through from the event that was traumatic. And the charge didn't quite integrate again. It just stayed there, kind of like always waiting for it to happen again. So when you when you're doing yoga or when you're in somatic therapy, or you're getting a massage, when you're in a situation where you're being invited to experience your body, Mm -hmm. what that means is you start to experience the parts that you're usually dissociated from and where we carry the most charge long-term is the part of the body we tend to not embody. So we might feel our chest, we might feel our feet, our arms, but we don't feel our hips or we don't feel our throat or we don't feel our jaw or our stomach. Mm -hmm. And those little isolated places that we don't feel, whether it's avoidance or numb, it just tells us how much charge is there and how little capacity we have for it. So when we actually are invited into it, the body will quite naturally on its own accord, start activating that charge and we'll feel a rush. And it feels like the beginning of a panic attack. And What most of us do when we start to feel a panic attack is we reach for something to soothe us Mm -hmm. or we distract from it. It's a natural body response. No one's doing anything wrong. When you're in the somatic work, you're doing a very counterintuitive thing, which is I'm going to sit still and watch the panic and see what it does. If I don't stop it. And when you have the capacity and you're building the capacity, you're building it via that charge moving and how much can I tolerate, and when it gets too much, you embody, let's say your feet, right? So Mm -hmm. you, you find a part in your body that feels safe and you let yourself feel that and it brings it down a little, creates some space. Then you go back to it and you're essentially pendulating in your own body from places that feel safe to places that feel threatened until that threat finally moves. And the beauty is it moves all by itself and then it metabolizes and then you just feel like you know you lost 400 pounds from your hips it's mm-hmm. it's amazing and what that really is is you're somatically experiencing the present moment your body's no longer living in past or future
0: beautiful and that immediately frees you up from all of that extra strain and really truly what i see is a way of disempowering ourselves or lying to ourselves i had a somatic healer once in mexico this was super random mm-hmm. but um he was doing massages for my students i was leading a yoga retreat in this space at that time and he uh, he started working on me and literally touched just one point on my calf mm-hmm. where it was exactly like or very similar i shouldn't say exactly but it was similar to that space of of me going into pigeon post and crying because I mean I mm. lost it but I mean I lost a mm-hmm. good mm-hmm. and he I remember it very clear to him saying to me you've got to stop lying to yourself and so I mean just the fact that that, you know, the idea of even keeping things from ourselves that we know, but we are sort of dodging or avoiding or not wanting to go deeper into are going to show up in the body and what that can do once we allow. And I think that's been that's been the word of the year, Louise, like I keep coming up with it. It's just allow and really lean into it can transform everything.
1: Mm. You're absolutely right. And allow is a word that triggers people sometimes because they think like, why would I want to allow something horrible? And it's like when you're allowing, the, the physiology of allowing means you're open so it moves through you. Mm-hmm. If you're resisting, you're closed so it gets stuck to you. So what we call resistance is actually just uh, squeezing tight to something that, that's, that's un, un, not good for us or makes us unwell, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or powerfully threatening or stressful. But allowing means it literally moves right through your body. And we experience that the more um, capacity, and the more embodied we are.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it can feel, I think, more terrifying in a way. <laughs> it could feel really intimidating because it means that we don't have the ever illusory but never really existing control, right? Mm-hmm. That idea that we have.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You know, it's interesting because embodiment actually creates a really deep sense of vulnerability um it doesn't mean we get like stronger and more rigid rigidity is a response to being disembodied because it's Mm -hmm. a way to protect yourself from sensation but yeah there's this vulnerability of being that open um but it's a it's a very rooted vulnerability it's not one that takes over your body Mm -hmm. um like like an empath might have where they get so overwhelmed and depressed from a sensation oh yeah it's a rooted (laughs) one (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Oh, goodness. I love it so much. Um, I've got a couple of more points to really share space with you here. And then I also have a couple of really interesting topics to bring up for our little extra segment that if the listeners want to catch up with and listen to, they can go onto the Patreon and they will find the episode there. But so one of them is going to be really, what you think the biggest misconception about the work is that you would love to clear the air about?
1: Oh, gosh, good question. I'm trying to think what that would be. Hmm. It might be that it's meditation-based and it's not. Hmm. Um, meditation is, is a beautiful practice of clearing the mind and not attaching to thoughts, where somatic work is all about sensation and attaching to the sensation so it can move all the way through so we don't avoid it. So it's a very different world from meditation.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know what? That's interesting. Would you say it's, and I know they're not the same, but I'm saying, would it be more akin to shadow work in that sense?
1: Absolutely. Because with shadow work, you're working with the unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. And somatic work, you're sensationally working with the unconscious. So the unconscious comes through via sensation versus writing or you know meditation or a journeying rather.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. Beautiful. And then the last two items for this part of the show are going to be twofold, right? So first, obviously, where the listeners can find you and connect with you and follow you and support you. That's my favorite one. And then I always ask of all of my guests, what you think would be the best way for all of us to become uplifted?
1: Hmm. Well, the way the way you can support me or find my work is at holisticlifenavigation.com and that same name is on instagram and facebook um and i'm doing three courses this year that anyone can take anywhere from home they're live and it's all about this work it's like a deep dive they're six weeks long um you know what you the best way to get uplifted in my experience is to Really be able to witness yourself and let the answers come from yourself. Because anything we attach to outside of us um, is two things. It's a form of disembodiment because we're leaving us to find another piece of safety. Mm -hmm. And when that piece of safety shifts or changes or leaves or dies, then we're back to a panic and dependency. So it's about a real like self nurturing. And from that, the ability to connect and feel what you call uplifted um, just kind of flows through so naturally.
0: Wow. Yep. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> that was really good. Ah, <laughs> oh, Luis, well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me. And I hope to have you back on the show sometime soon. It was really lovely talking with you. Thank you. Welcome back, beautiful listeners. I really hope that you enjoyed that interview and that it created space within your heart and mind to really listen to your body lean into presence and get curious about all of the stuff that can get stuck as information in the body because it's so important. And if you really enjoyed the interview and want to continue listening to Louise, remember that there is a special episode available to you as a Patreon supporter. Which you can always access by going to patreon.com forward slash your soulful goddess. And thank you for joining me every week. I find such a sense of joy and grace in being able to do this show and connect to so many of you. So thank you for joining. It's such a pleasure. I am also happy to share that the Instagram for Your Soulful Goddess is ready. So if you want to connect with me there, you can do so at Your Soulful Goddess. And if you want to email me email me at info at goddess.com. The website should be getting ready to be completed as well. So exciting, exciting stuff. And get super ready for next week's interview too, because my guest is going to talk all things hypnotherapy and so much more. You are going to love it. Now, go out there, have a fantastic day, and I will talk to you next week.